Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text is the OT Old Testament reading from Micah chapter 6. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus. Did you read the sign outside when you pulled into the driveway? Grace Lutheran Court? Right? That's what you saw, right? Okay, okay. That's not what the sign says, but that's what I wanted this week. But I was, uh, I kind of knew the trustees wouldn't allow it. <laughs> Grace Lutheran Court. Why would I want Grace Lutheran Court on the sign outside this week? Because uh, this morning you walked into a court of law. The O.T. Old Testament reading from Micah chapter 6 transforms the space called grace into a trial where there's judge, jury, plaintiff, defendant, witnesses. You heard the O.T. reading. Here we go. Micah 6 verses 1 and 2. Hear what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear you mountains, the indictment of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against his people, and he will contend with Israel. Uh, no Judge Judy here, okay? <laughs> uh, probably God's people would have preferred her, her court, a lot easier. They're in uh, God's court, the divine courtroom, naked, exposed, nothing hidden from his sight. Pretty scary. They're the defendant. God himself, the plaintiff. And he cries out, I got a lot of problems with you people, and now you're going to hear about it. <laughs> yeah, that's a little Seinfeld joke. There we go. No surprise that there's this courtroom scene in the book of Micah. Because God's people have taken pagan gods to try. They have taken the land from the Lord on high. They have taken from the poor without batting an eye. Up to this point in the book of Micah, God has been building his case against his own people. Tons of evidence. One piece of evidence after another. It's ugly. It is so ugly for God's people. Downright dirty deeds. I'm going to go through some of them with you, okay? God's people have soaked up the religious playbook from this next-door pagan nation and that next-door pagan nation. That pagan country, that pagan country, and set up state-sponsored infidelity, harlotry, and adultery. Here's the evidence, Micah 1-7. All her carved images shall be beaten to pieces. All her wages shall be burned with fire. And all her idols I will lay waste. For from the fee of a prostitute she gathered them, and to the fee of a prostitute they shall return. Here's more evidence. They've stolen farms with a greedy hand, which is really stealing from the divine owner of the land. They're stealing from God. Period. 
It's his land, and they're stealing from him. Micah 2.2, here's the evidence. They covet fields and seize them and houses and take them away. They oppress a man and his house, a man and his inheritance. More evidence. They have lived high on the hog at the expense of the poor, and God compares this to cannibalism. Hannibal Lecter cannibalism, using rated R language for sure. Micah 3, verses 2 and 3. You who hate the good and love the evil, who tear the skin from off my people and their flesh from off their bones, who eat the flesh of my people and fillet their skin from off them and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. Uh, the Lord's case, rock solid. We know what the verdict's going to be, right? Guilty, for sure. What's so surprising, though, is the Lord doesn't sentence, sentence his people to death row, but rather wants to know why they deal with him, why they bargain with him as some back-breaking, burdening foe. See, what we expect next in the OT reading? The verdict. The verdict, right? We, we want to hear the gavel and hear God pronounce his sentence. That's what we expect next. We expect, walk the plank, or good riddance, you filthy animal, or hasta la vista, baby. There's none of that. There is not a single accusation of sin. Nothing about divine judgment. There is not even a single complaint here from God. What comes out of left field, what is so surprising, what is so unexpected, is that God raises, he talks about, their complaint of, of him. That's the surprise in our text, folks. Micah 6.3. 6, 6, Oh, my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me. The tone here from God is one of boundless, L-O-V-E, love, boundless love. He's not ticked off at all. No anger in his tone. He hasn't abandoned his people. He hasn't turned his back on them. He still claims them as his own, despite their ego, despite their greed, yo, despite their going after graven images with gusto. Oh, my people! Oh, my people! That's what he says, oh, my people. What affection. What devotion and dedication towards his people in the face of their desertion and defection of him. He really wants them to have a change of heart, doesn't he? He really wants them to reconsider how, how have I offended you? 
Oh, my people, how have I been a burden to you? Please, please tell me I'm all ears. Please, please tell me. Now, these questions from God give us insight into how God's people view him. They have painted God as nothing but this back-breaking, burdening foe. Putting all these burdens on them. Crushing them with his holy ten commands. Bearing them under that obligation to be my brother's keeper. Piling on the pressure to perform as his people. Saddling them with the stress to satisfy him. The way they view their God is the same way the pagans around them view their gods. No different. No different. God, oh, how can we get you off of our backs? Oh, you're so demanding and demeaning. Our backs are broken, bent because of your burdens. We can't stand up straight. Oh, oy vey. Come on, God. Haven't we suffered enough at your hands? What do you want from us? Come on, God. Name your price. Yeah, name your price. Everyone has a price, God. Anyone can be bought. Even you, God, name the price. What a haughty, naughty, snotty people. They try to bribe God. They reduce God to like one of those vendors at the Midland Antique Festival. <laughs> Actually, it's worse than that. It's way worse than that. They treat God as a taskmaster, a, a tyrant, who wants to make their lives a living H-E double hockey sticks hell. And so God gots to go. That's their verdict. God gots to go. And so, they try to bargain with him. They try to buy him off. They fire off all of these uh, kinds and counts of sacrifices to see if uh, that's going to be enough to satisfy him, to get God off their backs. They even put child sacrifice. Did you notice that? They put ch child sacrifice on the bargaining table. The sarcasm here in our text from God's people, it's biting. Verses 6 and 7. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will that do it? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Is that going to be enough, God? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? Without thinking too much, we might uh, just bark out, I would never haggle God. I would never, ever try to bribe him. I would never try to bargain with God. Wait one second, mister. Let's, you know, take a moment here. Just think about this, shall we? How have we tried to bargain with God Treating him as this back-breaking, burdening foe 
that we got to get off our backs also. God, I raised my kids in the faith, and, you know, I, I confess the faith more and more and more, but they won't darken the church door. What more do you want from me? Lord, I give so much of myself to the church, but my company, my family, my friends, my neighbors leave me in the lurch. What more do you want from me? Lord, I pour out my blood and sweat and tears here at GLC. I give so much of my time and treasures and talents to GLC, but no one seems to have any time for me. What more do you want from me? Lord, I spend so much time in prayer and devotion, but my life just seems like one ginormous big explosion. What more do you want from me? Dear friends, we have all tried to strike a deal with God. We've all tried to bargain with Him, haggling with Him. We're all guilty of it. We have all seen God as like this ogre that gets a high when we're so low, piling on bricks of bills, stones of shame, rocks of regrets. Is that really our God, though? Is that our God? Is that truly who our God is? Three, two, one, say it with me. No. No. Not at all. When we begin to see our God as a pain that needs to be bought and paid, it's time to take a walk down memory lane. <laughs> yeah. See, our God is no back-breaking, burdening foe. For he blesses us. He blesses us with nothing less than his Son, who doesn't break backs, but rather breaks burdens, which weigh a ton. Our God is not in the back-breaking business. He never will be. That's the point. That's the point he's making when he proclaims to his people his, all his loving actions in the past. He rehashes his record, his flawless record, of redeeming, relieving, restoring love. Check it out. Verses 4 and 5. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Oh, my people, remember what Bela, king of Moab, devised, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of of the Lord. Rescued them from Egyptian chains. Raised up for them faithful leaders, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Replaced Balak's curse with Balaam's blessing. 
and renewed his commitment towards them once they crossed the Jordan River and entered that land flowing with milk and honey from the land of pain to the land of plenty, the promised land, nothing but mercy from their God. No buying him. They're actually the ones that are bought and paid for, and and so are are we. No bargain basement prices either. Cost God absolutely everything. So haggling doesn't work with him. You check that at the door. It doesn't work here, and that's good news. The best news in the cosmos. No bargaining with God, for Jesus has already, already borne that hellacious burden of our sin all the way to his Good Friday death so that we're bought and paid for. And now we can take a deep breath. We can. In the OT reading, God's people mockingly say, God, will you just scram if, uh, you know, we give our children to you, we sacrifice our kiddos to you, the fruit of the womb. Will that get you off our backs? They're saying way more than they realized. Huh. Way more than they realized. What would happen 600 years later? Hmm? Yeah. The fruit of Mary's womb, the firstborn would be the price tag to purchase and win all of humanity from all sin, from all death, from the power of big bad wolf Satan. Now this doesn't make a lick of sense to this world. Utterly foolish. It's just stupidity to the world, as Pastor Paul says in our epistle reading. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews, and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Do you want to know what God thinks about you? Remember the cross of Christ. This is no mere mental activity, folks. We're not playing, you know, mind games here. The cross of Christ is a present reality, not distant at all from you and me. A few moments ago, Hadley May heard these words, Receive the sign of the Holy Cross both upon your forehead and upon your heart to mark you as one redeemed by Christ the Crucified. And then three drops of water, with those three drops of water, the Holy Spirit got his fountain pen out and drew, using permanent passion ink, the cross on her head and heart. Mariah, you and Jeff now have such joy. When Hadley May questions her identity, when she questions God's love for her, when she questions her future, when she questions her worth, you now have the joy of saying, Hadley May, 
Remember your baptism. Yes, remember your baptism, Hadley May. January 29, 2023, this is the date that changes Hadley May's life forever. The power of the cross of Christ applied to Hadley May personally. What does this practically mean? Thank you for asking, and Pastor Aaron will tell you. Through Jesus' death, life for Hadley May. Through his condemnation, acquittal for Hadley May. Through his pain, peace for Hadley May. Through his treason and betrayal, vindication and validation for Hadley May. Through his God-forsakenness, friendship with God for Hadley May. Through his alienation, adoption. Adoption in the Father's family for Hadley May. And in this family, her big brother, Jesus, stands right next to her. Because Jesus ain't, Jesus ain't dead. He lives, right? He's alive and well. And he lives totally and utterly for Hadley May. And this Jesus is with, it's with you and me. He stands by your side. 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 He stands right next to me. We don't walk in this world solo. God doesn't want that for any of us. I mean, what do we sing as Lutherans? Let us ever walk with Jesus. Let us ever walk with Jesus. That's what we're doing. Hadley May now joins us in this walk. It's the good life. It's the beautiful life. It's the out-of-this-world-for-everyone-in-this-world life. It's the created-for-this-life. It's the this-is-what-it-means-to-be-human life. It's the blessed-to-be-a-blessing life. And it's the life that the prophet Micah unpacks for us in Micah 6.8. He has told you, O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. The verdict is in, folks. There is no walk the plank from our Jesus. Only a gentle and generous, I will walk with you. I will walk with you. I will walk with you. I will walk with you all the way home. What a life sentence. Now that's a life sentence to live for and even to die for because whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Oh, my people, Grace Lutheran Church, oh, my people. That's what the Lord says this morning. Oh, my people. The days ahead for us, never the same again. Having been rescued from these hellacious burdens, we now have the joy of joining Jesus in lifting people's burdens. The burdens in our homes, the burdens in our offices, the burdens in our neighborhoods, the burdens in this congregation, the burdens in our schools. Until that day, Jesus lifts us out of our tombs and brings us into the Father's mansion rooms. So, 
dear GLC Grace Lutheran congregation, let us humbly walk with our God to break burdens, working and wooing, working with him to right this wrong and right that wrong and wooing this world with his love so steadfast and strong. We're free people, folks. Freed from sin for service to one another. The case closed. Heaven opened. Walk this way. Talk this way. That is our Lord's invitation to each of us this morning. Happy walking with Jesus, Hadley May. Happy walking with Jesus, GLC. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen.